Dublin's Talking Sport. Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me, Ken Doherty, and my good friend, Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA, football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show, and don't forget, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Delighted to be joined on the line now by Alan Cawley for the football. Good morning, Al. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. Yourself? Ah, wonderful now. Wonderful. Looking forward to a good weekend of sport. And it's been a busy uh, week in the SSE. There's no question about it. Some interesting results. Um, Bowes managing to get away to Derry on Monday and get a, a great 1-0 uh, victory up there. Shelburne uh, getting a 2-1 victory over Sligo. And pressure was on them for there for that. And uh, Cork indeed getting a home win, 1-0. So uh, the, the results last night then sort of went um, a bit against all of that run so it's been a very very interesting few days yeah it's probably in fitting what, what we've seen so far in the season Reggie uh, surprise results and the competitiveness of the league and I suppose you look at the top of the table Bowes even though they suffered a defeat last night I was at the match I'll chat to you about that in a moment but um, yeah they're sitting on top Pats have bumped themselves up to second now after such a dreadful start that they had with the four wins on the bounce together and they're sitting second and of course Shamrock Rovers coming off the back of three very good wins and looking like they're back to their best. Then they suffered a, a draw against Shelburne last night 2-2 and they were 2-0 up. So it's just been, it's been surprising. It's been competitive. It's been good. The crowd has been great. Uh, the matches have been lively and so far I've enjoyed it, Reggie. Yeah, absolutely. But it, as I said, because, you know, you look at that uh, victory for Pats last night you were at the game, like there's red cards in it, the passion is there, the derby, but it's a, it's a, Bad loss for Bowes at home. Yeah, 100%, Reggie, because they suffered a defeat last week against uh, Shamrock Rovers, which everybody was saying, and, and rightly so, that that was going to be their litmus test up to now because they've got off to such a great start and they'll have a good gauge of where they're at when they play Shamrock Rovers. And they were totally outclassed, Reggie. They were brilliant last week, Shamrock Rovers. But, but Bohemians then bounced back on Monday night, as you said, against Derry City with a brilliant result. And it was important for them that they did bounce back so quickly. So they would have been into the game last night with a lot of confidence, but they gave away such soft goals, Reggie. They never even gave themselves a chance. After getting off to a brilliant start with a great Adam McDonald goal, they were 1-0 up. Then they gave away two goals in the space of four or five minutes. Really, really soft goals. And then they suffered a third as well and never gave themselves a chance. Then they had Jordan Flores sent off. Uh, I didn't see it back. My initial reaction was that it wasn't a red card, but... By all accounts, the referee was alerted by the fourth official or the linesman to say it was. He was sent off. And then they're up against it with 10 men, 3-1 down. But I have to say, the character they showed in the second half, they were fantastic, Reggie, and they were in a real game. A real game of it. Pats were hanging on in the second half. and They got themselves back to 3-2. Dylan Connolly had a brilliant chance to make a 3-all. And as I say, Pats will be delighted with the victory, but they'll be delighted just to get out last night, considering that 10 men and they had a two-goal advantage. So it was a great game overall. Um, it's just a pity for Bowles the soft goals that they gave away but they're still sitting on top of the table We talked last weekend about Shelburne and maybe the pressure they were under but they'll be delighted with the last five days or six days you know a 2-1 win at home against Liger Rovers who were flying fairly high that was a tough game for them and then you know a draw uh, at at Rovers 2-all is a great result for Shelburne too so they'll be feeling pretty good yeah, definitely. I was in Talk on Monday night and at 1-0 down at half-time you would have been looking at it thinking where's the goal going to come from and they were really struggling. But Damien Duff made three changes at half-time, Reggie. Um, I went for the game, really. Took off the two wing-backs, brought on two more attacking players in Shane Farrell, Evan Caffrey and 
they got themselves back into the game and then they got a fortuitous own goal but it was a good victory for them beating Sligo Rovers who have been going well as you say and then last night something similar to Pat they would have been going into the game with a lot of confidence um, and they were 2 up against Shamrock Rovers I just looked at the highlights when I came home last night 2 nil up all going well but the quality that Shamrock Rovers have with Graham Burke and the goal that he scored check it out Reggie if you haven't seen it absolutely brilliant and by all accounts, Shamrock Rovers were good value for the draw as well because I think they put Shells under serious pressure. So even though you're 2-0 up and you only come away with a 2-2, you're still going to the home of the champion. So I'm sure when the dust settles, Damien Duff might look at it as a good point as well. Hmm. So you'll always be disappointed when if you've been 2 up and you, and you let it slip. It looks like it's going to be one of the most competitive leagues for a long time. Uh, Derry are away. Um, to Dundalk but they'll, you'd fancy them to get that win and if they did then that kind of would put them up to 18 points so like there's 21, 18, 17, 15 in, in, and 15 in the top 5 uh, with 10 matches played so there's there's nothing between uh, any of those top 5 teams Yeah it's very very tight Reggie and um, yeah for the first time Rory Higgins I don't mean he's under pressure for his job by any stretch at all not, not at all he's just under a bit of pressure that they've coming off the back of two defeats um, and two poor defeats really especially Drada last week um, and then the Bohemians won one tonight so they're under a little bit of pressure just to get, bounce back and, and show a reaction so they're going to Dundalk tomorrow who themselves have suffered three defeats in a row so they'll be looking for the same reaction so that'll be an interesting game tomorrow but I would expect Derry to get the victory but as you say you look at the top four or five it's very very competitive uh, they're all capable of beating each other on the day and I hope it stays like that for as long as possible Reggie Shamrock Rovers are still the standout team for me um, and if they click at all I think they're the best of them all but for the good of the league and for the good of I suppose us and the neutrals and we want to see some sort of a title race I hope the four or five stay in the mix for as long as possible mm, Absolutely well, we'll keep an eye on it OK uh, let's turn our attention to Champions League during the week it was interesting I have to say City were outstanding I didn't think that they would do that to Bayern Munich but they really dismantled them um, and they look so solid and I know Real Madrid were good as well against Chelsea but uh, of all the teams left it's hard to see anyone looking as good as City Yeah City were awesome on Tuesday night it was a great game as well Reggie yeah. the funny thing about it I actually thought Bayern played quite well too <laughs> mm. and it just goes to show you when you're saying they played well but yet City still beat them 3-0 because at 1-0 I felt the game was very much in the balance and Bayern came out in that second half if you can remember, they had two or three really good chances. Sane, he had a couple of good shots from outside the box. And I thought, like, this is game on here. But then that last half an hour when City just stepped it up, they were absolutely brilliant. And the goals that they scored, and to come away with a 3-0 victory, you're kind of looking at it now thinking that could be tie over. Real Madrid, something similar on Wednesday tonight. I thought in the first half they were brilliant. But they kind of stepped off the gas a little bit in the second half and, and just kind of allowed Chelsea to stay in the tie. Yeah. I don't think Chelsea will overcome that 2-0 deficit um, they have bigger problems and bigger issues and I think it will be Real Madrid in the semi-final and it sets it up for an unbelievable game Reggie I know City looked amazing the other night and they are the favourites but I still wouldn't rule out Real Madrid because on their day as well they're a fantastic team and it's just a pity that that's not going to be the final because we're set, it sets it up for an unbelievable two legs in the semi-final with those two 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I just thought in, in attack, Vinicius Jr., Benzema, uh, Rodrigo, you know, they're, they're, and Rod, uh, Modric, what is he, 38? He's still yeah, going no. as well as uh, any of them. You know, it's just incredible. Valverde with some chances as well. I just thought they looked class. And as you said, when they did the job done, they just pulled back. But Chelsea didn't have any answers. Like, they were getting skinned alive there. Uh, Vinicius was just going around at will um, around that left wing and, and, and getting crosses in. So um, He's electric, isn't he? Oh, Oh, he's unreal. He's absolutely electric. And him and Benzema have struck up this kind of partnership almost. Uh, I know they play with three up top, but it's almost a duo that's doing all the damage. They're absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Valverde with his energy in the middle. And that's what I mean about just when it gets to the stage where obviously it's them against City. City will obviously cause them all sorts of problems with the attack and threat that they have. But obviously Real Madrid will cause City all sorts of problems. With absolutely. We're in for some game, Reggie. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, there really is. Um, yeah, I know. Benicius is just my favourite player at the moment. He's just mm. he's just so so enjoyable to watch him. Then uh, I have to talk. I was talking to Ken earlier on about it. Uh, United, I mean, that, that was just amazing what happened against Sevilla. They, they should have been 4 nil, 4 5 nil up in that game. I stopped watching it after 2 nil because I thought it was pretty much a dead dead rubber. And then the, Aiden came running down the stairs to tell me that <laughs> it was 2 all. So a mad game. <laughs> It was, yeah, and it just goes to show as well. Like, it, I made this comparison. I know it's the Champions League, and obviously that's where the cream of the crop is. But the difference in watching those games compares to what you're watching in on the Thursday night. It's night and day, really, Reggie. And it just goes to show the distance that United still have to go to try and get back to that level. And to be 2 0 up against Sevilla and not finishing them off and not finishing the tie off and allowing them back into the game in the sloppy nature that they did, particularly the soft goals to give way towards the end. Malasia should have dealt with the first one. I know Maguire was unlucky with the OG. You couldn't blame him for that. Hmm. But they were just poor in general in that in that kind of latter stage of the game and they should have been seeing it out. So I just think, even though Ten Hag has done great, they still have a good bit to go, Reggie, to get back to the level that we're talking about and where they want to be. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, Prem, uh, back in action this week. Um, it's kind of getting a little bit tight. We've we still got six points, but uh, of course that, that game in hand for Man City as well. So the title race is really starting to, to hot up now. Um, you still confident Arsenal can hang on? I still am, Reggie, yeah. Um, I was disappointed with, I thought the performance up to the point where Xhaka got himself involved last week against Liverpool was absolutely brilliant and, yeah. and kind of indicative of what we've seen all year for them. Why he gets himself involved and riles up the crowd and the players and, and we all know what I'm feeling, how passionate the fans are and, and it just it just cost them really and they were hanging on in the second half. They were lucky to get out with a point mm. but I still think to have enough. That game obviously against City is going to be huge but I think the most important thing for Arsenal is that the freshness that they'll have going into each game will... will Stand them in good stead towards the end where City we're already talking about them playing potentially two semi-finals against Real Madrid um, obviously the final as well so there's going to be so many games for them they're still in the FA Cup and all all the attention that will be on them in trying to get that treble I just think they may come up short which will allow Arsenal to get the job done and I've stuck with Arsenal all year I'm not moving now Reggie It's time for GAA now. I'm delighted to welcome on the line the one and only Declan Drake. Morning, Declan. How are you? Very good, Reggie. 
very well, Reggie. Very well. How are you, sir? I'm very good. It's looking nice out there for uh, GA this weekend. Certainly the right conditions. It's been a bit foggy, certainly for the, the hurlers in recent times. But, uh, you know, a bit of firm ground now. And we might start to feel that uh, coming into the summer buzz that we get as the GA season gets underway. Certainly for my my lads, they're just starting to get underway. And I can't wait to get back around the county following them. Um, starting with some on-field activity. It was a good week for underage and inter-county teams. Um, ongoing championship campaign wins for our minors and under-20 footballers. Yeah, the minor footballers um, recorded a 2-9 to 11-point win over Mead uh, on Wednesday down in, in Park College in Navan. Um, Paddy Curry and Noah Bourne with the goals. Very strong second-half performance there by, by the Young Blues to make a 2 from 2, following up on the victory that they had over Loud in the first round. So they're at least guaranteed a quarter-final berth now, uh, Reggie, ahead of a game against Westmead in a couple of weeks' time, which will decide who gets through to, to, to the semi-final. So it's great to see these young lads progressing so well. It's a difficult time for them, a lot of them anyway, with exams coming up you know, in the next couple of months and trying to, to balance that um, football with, with, with their study as well. So uh, well done to, to the lads on, on their victories. So far, yeah, the other one was, was the under-20 hurlers. Um, they had a fantastic victory over Galway last Saturday afternoon uh, down in Burr. They beat them by two points, beat Galway by two points, 119 to 117. Jamie Conroy uh, raising the green flag there for Dublin. They were actually six points down at half-time, so did really, really well in the second half to come back. And uh, they face Wexford now this afternoon in their second game at Parnell Park and throw in theirs at 2 o'clock, Rich. Yeah, and how would you feel about that one? You'd be confident after that win against Galway? Yeah, it's a stirring win, you know, to go down to St. Brendan's Park and Burr and, and to get a result like that, to come back against a team that would be fancied to be there or thereabouts when the big prize is handed out a little bit later in the year is, is great. And the confidence of that performance coming back from that deficit um, hopefully will be carried into this afternoon's game. We'll be confident, yeah, that they can record uh, back-to-back wins there as well. Just on the under-20 as well, actually, in the football the semi-final draw, was made for that during the week and it's old rivals Mead and Dublin on one side of the draw and Leash and Kildare on the other so those fixtures have to be arranged over the next couple of weeks mm, Some nice uh, derbies there there'll be certainly a bit of skin and hair flying in those ones no doubt about it Staying with the championship action of course um, it began in Munster and Connacht last weekend and some surprise results has to be said New York getting a win Roscommon and Clare as well yeah, fantastic start to the championship. You know, there's a lot of people out there have the opinion uh, that the the, champ- the provincial championships don't don't really matter anymore or don't hold any credence. But don't tell that to the people of New York, Roscommon, or indeed Clare either. Um, New York, of course, had a Dublin connection, which is always nice to see. Uh, Reggie Young, Shane Carty there played a prominent part in their victory over Leitrim, so they advanced to the semi-final. Ross Common beating Mayo also in, in the Connacht Championship. You know, Mayo a week after their league final win. Uh, Ross Common will have been, you know, lying in wait for them for the last uh, couple of weeks. And uh, in Davy Burke, they have one of the, the great um, astute young managers in the game who will go a long way. So they'll be absolutely delighted with that result. And Clare beating Cork, yeah. Well, there were two of them were in our division in, in the National League, Division 2. And I saw Clare play Dublin in Croke Park. And they weren't that far off beating us that particular night, you know. So in Colin Collins, they've got a great manager down there as well. And he's done Trojan work over the last the last number of years. And they'll certainly have enjoyed that victory over Cork um, because it gets them into a Munster semi-final and a great chance of reaching a provincial final as well. 
Interesting stuff, yeah. We'll keep a close eye on that one. Uh, I saw during the week as well, Declan, that uh, John Costello announced that he's retiring later in the year um, from the position in Chief Exec and the Dublin County Board. Uh, he's been 15 years or so there and had an immeasurable role um, in, to play in the county's success, hasn't he? Absolutely. His, his, his handprints are all over it, Reggie. He's a, he's a tremendous... Um Man, tremendous leader, a motivator, and uh, has a great person, a person of a character as well. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that all the, most of the success that Dublin have had over the last 15 to 20 years is attributable to the work that John has done behind the scenes as, as chief executive. And I wish him well in, in his retirement. He's not gone yet. He has mm. a few months left in the job, but uh, he'll certainly can, can when he sits back uh, in his armchair in the October time, I can say, well, look, I, I've I've did my county proud, and he has done his county proud. Steering the good ship Dublin and GAA is not an easy task, and uh, you need someone of of great strength and character, and certainly John has that in abundance and great administrative ability as well. Very staunch defender of Dublin on all levels. His annual report was always a great read, you know, come Christmas time, and that that'll be missed, and he'll be missed himself. So. Hopefully, Reggie, the person who comes in after him um, will be in, in a similar kind of mould. I touted the idea during the week, perhaps, that Pat Gilroy, the former Dublin football and hurling manager, might be the man for the job. Tremendous business acumen, very personable, very au fait with the Dublin GA scene at all levels as well. And, you know, to back up my argument, why he would be good for the job when the Director General's job of the GA was going a couple of years ago, he, I believe, was down to the last two for that particular position. So that shows the calibre of the man. So hopefully, you know, Pat might be interested uh, in, in taking on the job. But it's a really, it's a, it's a mammoth job. There's a lot, a lot of work to do to keep Dublin afloat and um, keep the GA progressing in, in a forward manner. One of the things they're going to have to do, obviously, is sort, sort out a new shirt sponsorship deal next year because AIG are finishing up at, at the end of this year. But there are a lot of other issues to, to sort out as well. So I take the opportunity to wish John well in his retirement. I hope he enjoys his last few months in the job. And who knows, he might even have uh, Sam McGuire in his office for his retirement party. Wouldn't be a bad thing to have, no doubt about it. Um, what else is happening around the capital? Um, the ladies' game's ticking in, into action there now as well. Yeah, the county squad are, are preparing for the start of their Leinster Championship, which will be against Mead on, on uh, April the 30th. Uh, there's a lot of juvenile activity going on around the county this weekend, Reggie, with failures and, and that, you know, which is fantastic to see uh, the young players uh, out on, on the pitches of Dublin uh, showing their skills and uh, hopefully many more of them will come through the systems o- over the next uh, few years. But next weekend it really kickstarts for us because we have both our senior hurlers and senior footballers out in championship action. Uh, one game we didn't mention last week, which perhaps we should have, was Leash beating Wexford in the Leinster Championship because uh, Dublin's first round opponents in the Leinster Championship next week down in Omar Park next Sunday uh, will be Leash. So that that's one to look forward to. And of course the hurlers are out uh, the day before a very tough opener against uh, Antrim up in uh, Belfast in Corrigan Park so we'll have plenty of uh, preview of those two particular games next week on the programme Excellent looking forward to that uh, Finally then Declan just uh, I see in the Irish Independent Philly McMahon uh, writing a, a good article there but uh, it, it, the headline of it is imitation is the purest for, form of flattery we're all playing Ulster football now I find that hard to uh, believe considering it wasn't too long ago there was a, a fairly famous pundit called 
calling the the Ulster football puke football and uh, the, the strategies that they were employing was uh, you couldn't watch it you know um, do you think that's kind of is, is that a fair point but Philly are we are, are, is the game changing to copy the Ulster model now well, it has been for some time and uh, I wouldn't disagree with the aforementioned pundit that you mentioned mm. <laughs> who has no fewer than eight All-Ireland medals on his uh, tape by his bedside table in, in, in Temple Owen County Kerry, you know. Yeah. Um, the game has changed irrevocably, I think, over the last number of years and there's no doubt in certain cases it is a, it is a very hard watch, Reg, you know. Um, but whatever about the Ulster Championship, one thing you can, you can say in its defence is that it's the most competitive of championships because when you look at the teams in it at the start of the year, you find it very difficult to actually pick out a winner, unlike a lot of the other provinces, including our own, of course. You know, so yeah, I think he's got I think he's got a point, and I I have never been in favour of that type of of football. It worked it worked for a period of time, but it turns people off, and uh, that's not what you want. No, absolutely not. I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be watching it any because I, I remember watching the games where that was being employed, and you just couldn't watch it. It's back and forth across yeah. the pitch, and it's just yeah. there's no football in it. So, but um, the unfortunate thing about it now is uh, it, that's it's happening at senior intercounty level. It's even happening at, at uh, underage club level. Hmm. You know, that's and it. Like it. It's sending out the complete wrong message. To, to, to players it's taking away from the skill element I understand the defensive side of it and you have to be strong there obviously but you have to be uh, the name of the game is being able to score more than your opponents you know yeah. and uh, it's an entertainment business uh, as well so I think we need to get the balance between the two but that's that's an age old argument that's gone on about nearly 10 years now since Donegal's played Dublin the infamous game in Crow Park you know mm-hmm. that I think had most of the crowd asleep at half time it was that bad you know yeah. but um, hopefully somebody can be more innovative in, in, their, in their coaching techniques and the, the, the pattern of the game can change To rugby now and I'm delighted to be joined by Irish independent journalist David Kelly Good morning David how are you? Good morning Reggie how are you? I'm very well thanks looking out at that lovely sunshine and looking forward to a great weekend of sport I will yes. be in Mount Merion watching a football match in about uh, an hour and a half's time and then I'll be on a rugby pitch later in the afternoon so it's a good busy weekend and uh, no doubt yourself you'll be busy too but there's plenty looking, going I'm on actually, I'm not heading to a game but I'm looking at the sun in Newbridge All right. and you'll be interested of course because there is a son of Newbridge making a, a first giant leap in a career today in a Leinster shirt, your old Leinster shirt. Yes, Sam Prendergast, so I'm sure you're keeping an eye on him out in South Africa later. I am, and I'm I'm sort of intrigued as to how well he'll go because I watched him very, very clear, carefully in the under-20s and was impressed. Um, and it feels like, um, you know, you don't, you never want to get ahead of yourself, but it feels like this lad is the real deal and uh, it's sort of a coming of age, if you know what I mean, and this is a real test. I suppose we'd start with that then, seeing as you brought it up, um, you know, going down to South Africa um, in a kind of a comfortable position, I suppose, Leinster, in that they can bring these young guns with them, put them out there with no real consequences if it doesn't work out. But what a brilliant opportunity for them to get uh, blooded. Well, no, that, that's, that's, that's the thing. And I mean, uh, I think the, the the matches really are in terms of of, of results. Um, they don't have relevance, long term relevance. The performances uh, do, um, and it's just interesting in the context of we we, we may allude to the um, uh, an English newspaper uh, later in the discussion. But your old um, 
your old front row colleague. You probably came across him at the end of your career, Brian Moore, I think, did you? Uh, I know Brian well, yeah. I wouldn't have yeah. played against Brian, but um, yes, Steve, I, know, I know him well. I know he's old. I didn't know you were quite that yeah, old. Yeah, he's older uh, than me, thank God. No, I know he's, he was coming <laughs> to the end, but, um, but just in the context of the kind of this extraordinary... Um, uh, not sudden, but it's it's sudden because it's suddenly they, 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 a lot of people uh, discovered that um, Leinster are in a position to win a couple of tournaments, and um, there has been uh, extraordinary pushback in in recent weeks. But in in, the, in that context, I always think, in, especially in a league campaign, um, if you compile your business properly, you are allowed to do things like Leinster are doing now. I mean. Uh, the fixture list wasn't created especially for them to be in this position Mm. Um, they created the conditions to be in this position by compiling enough points so that they don't have to be worried about sending frontliners down to South Africa for two weeks of toil uh, as they await um, Toulouse and presumably La Rochelle in Europe, never mind trying to win um, the other bit of tin as well so um, you know you pay your money, I mean you contrast the situation with uh, Munster, who, because of poor results, and we can't forget that appalling effort against the Dragon side, once again, we witnessed last night, who are utterly execrable, but Munster conspired to lose to them as they were grappling to find their way at the start of the season. Now they need to go, not only to try and secure a URC playoff place, but they, they are still struggling to stay in Champions Cup. And um, in terms of selection, they are... Uh, just in the atmosphere of the club, um, they're in such uh, a dire need at the moment. They've dropped David Kilcoyne, and we're talking about outhalves on mm. the other level, level of it. A guy who surfaced requirements has already played for Scotland. Um, ben Healy uh, is chosen ahead of the um, great white hope of 2016. Joey Carberry. Mm. Uh, it's a quite extraordinary turn event. Turn of events. I mean, they only need two points for their playoff position, but I think there's. there's struggling in Champions Cup and um, uh, that that's that's going to be difficult and given the problems they had up front uh, in their Champions Cup defeat in South Africa um, it could be a, an arduous two weeks for them. Absolutely I mean that is a strong uh, stormer side that they're taking on as well you know um, and uh, as you said it, it just it, it feels very um panicky almost, you know, that I, I get what they're trying to do and I get what Roundtree's trying to do and maybe he is picking on form and maybe that 10 position isn't just, it just isn't working for Carberry at the moment but it is it is a strange one, I have to agree with you to, to see that he's completely ejected from well, the no, setup. I, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with the, the decision, I mean, I think I think he probably has it on the money, I mean, it's just, it's just the optics of it is yeah. that uh, a, a fellow who is who is not in the club anymore, who's not in the RFU system, who's opted out, and who Munster opted out of uh, retaining. Um, they actually think he's a better option than um, mm-hmm. the uh, Ireland's second choice out half uh, of twelve months ago. You know that's that's just the extraordinary decline, sadly, of 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 a player who um, I personally uh, enjoy watching, but also personally. Uh, not that I have any coaching knowledge um, uh, that, 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 that owes to a scintilla of that of the great leaders of this country, but I would have always had him down as a 15. And I also thought he was messed around by the RFU and David Nusifora. Um 
psychologically he's struggled to recover from that and then of course he's he's physically had a, had a had a destroyed ankle which hasn't helped um so the poor kid has been through the mill he's only 27 but mm. um I, I think history could could already decree that he's he's one of the, the great lost geniuses of Irish rugby and we've had many of them in the 10 shirt sadly but um there yeah. we go probably yeah. a bit too weighty of a topic for no no uh, I, 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 I do feel for him uh, there's no question about it and you'd wonder uh, back in those days I know he had to kind of move out of uh, Leinster because there was just no pathway through there but you'd wonder <sighs> You don't know. You look at Ross Byrne now, and you'd wonder if um, if the pathway had been there for him with Leinster, would things have been different? But then again, you know, if things had worked out differently with Munster and the players around him, perhaps he could have uh, pushed for that ten slot. So it's one of the great unknowns. But you do have to certainly feel for him. There's no question about it. Um, it's it is it's, it's extremely difficult. But it's funny as well, though, isn't it, David? At this time of the year, um, here we are, and and. Like you got the likes of Munster and Ulster, and I know Munster are pl- playing for their Champions Cup uh, lives and everything else, but they're all kind of little bit of dead rubbers. These games, too, uh, to an extent, aren't they? You know, there's uh, there's no real feel when they're not in the Champions Cup. Indeed, and um, you know, there, there was the, 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 the apart from Leinster, you know, there's almost a sense that the season is over. Hmm. Um, and I even you you talk to people um, within rugby now. The there is a, fo- a huge focus on the um, the domestic AIL, and, and a lot of people are interested in that. But you know, it, it just again, and a lot of people don't like to hear this, um, but it, it reminds one that rugby is a minority sport in lots of respects, and that when the, the significant Irish challenges for trophies. Are, are finished, that's it. Everyone turns off. The evenings are stretched. People start going golfing or doing other things or getting involved in championship, which is ever ever more encroaching now and paradoxically probably affects rugby more than um, uh, soccer than in terms of uh, in terms of coverage, even though GA has killed itself in the latter part of the summer, but that's another story. Um, but, you know, Leinster are the focus now. And again, as we'll talk about in a while, sadly the the the, the women aren't, um, but are for different reasons. But Leinster, like Leinster's double trophy tilt, um, that's that's what all eyes are on. And it's, and it's over successive weekends when they come back from South Africa, um, Munster's Munster's inglorious attempt to qualify, scrape into the Champions Cup, and get into the URC, where defeat to Leinster is inevitable in some way down the road. Uh, there's a certain certain interest in that, but it's almost kind of like a, a grisly back, uh, you know, looking from, looking from behind the couch. It's like Arsenal's faltering title challenge. Um, easy uh, now, David. Uh, easy now. No faltering. Everything's grand. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, so there, there is there is that sense here yeah, that that rugby is is winding down, uh, and and it, it's kind of always been that way, and it, it is kind of cyclical. You know, when Munster and Leinster used to be challenging uh, later on in Champions Cup at the same time, there would mm. be a lot of interest. There will be. Uh, maintain, but it, it kind of needs two of the provinces to be really hitting big late on in the season. Now, Ulster may, may do it in the, in the league uh, playoffs, but there is a sense that Leinster are the only show in town, and you know that's great. That's great for Leinster, but not great for not the great game for in general. I agree. Okay, speaking of not game, uh, great for the game in general. And you uh, mentioned it there. Oh, a nice segue for me to get into the women's side of the game. Okay, they're playing Italy uh, in the Six Nations in a game that is 
for all the wrong reasons, is really in focus and a huge amount of pressure on the uh, women to get a result. Um, they have made changes. Greg Williams has made three or four changes uh, from that of the team that were defeated quite heavily by France. Um, but this isn't going to be an easy one for them. Uh, we'll get to the problems outside the game shortly, but the actual playing of the game themselves itself uh, against Italy, this is not going to be an easy one for them in uh, Stadio Sergio Lanfranchi today. No, I mean, it's back to Parma two years after the, the, the World Cup. And a bit like that, I mean, I, I, that was a, a better Irish team, paradoxically. And I, I don't think there's any pressure on this team because the team are not very good. Uh, a lot of that is not, not down to the actual players themselves. A lot of players that shouldn't be in this team for a variety of reasons. Um, so it's not a very good team. And um, there are some good players in the team. Uh, and, and that's a very bald fact. Um, you can dress it up and be very patronising, but they have been very, very poor the game so far. You can see they're trying to play a bit of rugby, but like you know, everybody's trying to play a bit of something. Uh, it's just not working. There's no cohesion. There's no um, palpable breakdown work. You can see there's missed tackles all over the place. There's drop balls. There's poor kicking. There's poor set piece. They're not very good, and a lot of people. You know, I have difficulty in, in, in trying to say that, but I mean, they are not very good. Ten years ago, when I was in Italy on a on a on a fiendishly wicked day of cold weather and biting rain, uh, a day after a not very good men's team ultimately cost Declan Kidney his job, uh, and that was said at the time. A very good women's team won the Grand Slam, um, and there were only a couple of us there to witness it. RTE also went up as well. And uh, it's funny, I remember talking to Joy Neville or Phil, Fiona Cochran or one of those great um, heroines, uh, sadly, many of them not involved directly uh, within the game in the RFU, although Joy Neville tangentially is in, in terms of the refereeing fraternity. And I remember saying to them, listen, we all love you at the moment, but you know this ain't going to last. You're going to have poor days and the sport is going to have poor days. Now, we didn't know how... How, how bad it might get. I mean, there's a lingering sense of success after that. There was another Six Nations title under our, our, our dear departed friend, Tom Tierney. But, you know, I think the rot set in at the World Cup that Ireland hosted in 17, and there's effectively been no future-proofing. I mean, a bit like we spoke about a, a couple of weeks ago, compared to the late 90s of the amateur era, when eventually the RFU got its house in order, they, they, are, they are slowly attempting to do so. But the problem now is that, whereas you know they had they had a system that was almost ready-made in terms of geography and probably even clubs to install a men's system fit for purpose back in the late nineties, which eventually rolled out the success we enjoy today as a country. Um, in terms of the women's game, it seems to me I'm not an expert, but they are basically trying to install a women's structure on top of the men's structure or underneath the men's structure and you just cannot do that. You cannot uh, uh, replicate something for women um, uh, mirroring what, what is there for the men because it's not the same. Um, so there, listen, there are, there are mu- a multitude of issues, uh, institutional distaste for the game, uh, ignorance, not necessarily distaste, although we saw the Telegraph this week, uh, a muttering of a, a senior Leinster person, uh, 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 it must be noted, at a, a recent RFU function, um, basically saying who cares about women's rugby, uh, but slightly more 
post nine nine p.m. watershed as, not, as opposed to nine a.m. watershed. So there, there, I think mostly though it's ignorance, and that I say that ignorance in terms of how to structurally build the game as opposed to as opposed to outright kind of hatred or disgust. Um, yeah, it's. So a, I, I don't know where we go from here. Um, well, I mean, I, I spoke to. I mean, there was two great articles uh, done in the Sunday Independent with John Cronin, who's very involved in Railway Union, and uh, I spoke to John uh, at length about it as well. I mean, you know, the, the question does has to be have to be raised about um, just how serious there. I, I don't know that there isn't a willingness to try and change and, and make the game better for the women and I'm not defending the RFU in any shape or form. I just don't think that the right people are in there with the right information. I mean there are committees set up uh, and there are boards and there are you know people drafted into these boards but as uh, John explained to me these people aren't actually involved in the women's game and don't understand it at, at, at grassroots level so it's the wrong people that are in yeah. there uh, in many cases um, trying to make decisions about things that they don't fully understand so I, I look at uh, GAA for example I mean it's hard to believe but there are 188,000 girls playing uh uh, ladies GAA and I mean they put together a strategic planning process to go from 2017 to 2022 the game has grown out of all proportion they're filling Crow Park almost for all Ireland day the, the quality of the football is second to none the same with the camogie um, you, you know they just seem to have gotten it right and you, you kind of you, when you look at the success of the men's rugby and you, you would be saying to yourself it would be very ironic that they might the IRFU might be going to the GAA or even indeed the FAI to try and get some guidelines on how to improve the women's game but it seems that they need to go somewhere because it's just all over the shop yeah, I mean, you know, the LGFA, uh, ironically, you mentioned the LGFA, they have a myriad of problems as well. And uh, looking just at the top and the the, the league finals, obviously this weekend, Donegal, Galway. Um, and uh, just looking at Croke Park attendances, uh, you know, that's not a bigger picture. You still have, you know, league matches, normal league matches being played in training facilities and players only finding out a week before and there are still a myriad of issues there so that even shows that when there's a huge participation level there are still been difficulties where there aren't that numbers in um, in the RFU I mean, this, you may be interesting point about soccer I cover women's soccer for the last six or seven years mm. um, they had their kind of um, like the RFU the 62 signatory letter they had, they had their moment back in 2017 with the threatened strike and we know what the previous regime of Jean Delaney was like and, and there was this, uh, again an institutional either ignorance or distrust or disinclination to help the women's game here um, and that changed um, very very suddenly when that proposed threatened strike action and um, then resumed quite slowly but there has been a gradual acceleration and uh, you know the results are not inevitable but you can see what has happened World Cup qualification for the first time ever a very coherent nationally, you must say, given that there are a lot of players in a strong women's super league. So there's an element of like it's a bit like the Premiership in the League of Ireland. But and there's only there may only be two domestic or three domestic players in my World Cup squad. I picked today for anyone interested in picking up an Irish pendant for a lovely cheap price of a coffee. And um, but the, the the league here is still functioning. It's TV coverage. It's quite competitive. Four or five teams involved and and recognisable players. So. The, the development has been extraordinary um, 
in terms of the RFU, they do get the they have a sevens program. Obviously, the men have been slightly more successful than the women, but the big difference there is that they get money, government money. It's government funded. Hmm. Uh, Olympic programs are government funded, but it does show um, how, with proper investment and you know channel thinking that something can work yeah but you'd argue David that like I mean there was no interest in sevens for a long time I remember it well until there was government money and then until there was Olympic money like you know uh, no but just so if you have if, if there is a financial will and and, and, and a couple <coughs> a few intelligent bodies all it needs is a few intelligent bodies I mean again back to men's rugby mm. you know they saved um the European game, arguably, um, with 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 the Heineken Cup, uh, there, there was a, it was a few good men, no women, but there were no women around at the time. That was the, that was the, that was the state of the game, um, uh, and and so it only needs is a few intelligent minds and useful yeah, but but that's my point, uh, David. There doesn't seem to be those intelligent minds coming from the grassroots uh, level or the people involved in the game. If you look at that Fee Thomas uh, article in the Telegraph, if you look at John Cronin's uh, two articles in the Sunday Independent, if you read and on Twitter, there's. Uh, a myriad of people within the women's game, women players. You know, there's there's accusations of, of f- women being, um, you know, pushed to the side if they if they speak up. You know, it's oh, be stay there, I mean, be a Malone, good girl, say Malone nothing. It's condescending. The at the start of the season, uh, a week a week before the start of the season, uh, I have been in touch with uh, two of their players hmm. since uh, I, I won't name them, and and they have effectively said that. They are afraid to speak out exactly. about what happened. Uh, so that is the issue. I don't know how you solve the issue of uh, players walking away. Now, obviously, the players walked away because of fifteen thousand euro contract yeah. to live in Dublin. But uh, in terms of players not being able allowed to speak, and um, you know, Greg Williams is a great coach, but he's a company man, and the players now are company women. Yeah. Uh, so nobody, nobody is challenging it from within anymore, and they are a few like that, like that situation. So it's, you know, whether it takes another defeat today, five out of five, they're not going to be in this in this W15, which is basically like a, a rugby championship. So uh, you know, like 17 with the with the soccer. I don't know how low this has to go. Well, it's going to get very low, David, very soon because, okay, we're hoping against Italy today that they can put up a performance, but they've got England to come. And they could, like, they could get... Abs- it's, it's, it's getting to the point now where it's getting dangerous, you know? I mean, you're talking about fully pro athletes that have been in a structure for a long time in the UK and France and these places uh, coming in against uh, girls, young girls who have no experience. I mean, I think there's six caps on average uh, within that Ireland squad. They've no experience going into against seasons pro. And this is a... This is a dangerous game if it's you know in that sense because yeah, the physicality just, of it uh, you'd be worried about just the utter uh, it, become, it, it becoming utterly irrelevant mm. to people mm. uh, you know the same uh, I mean can can we can we briefly and I, I will I will advance ignorance uh, as I should do in all cases but you know that stellar moment for the uh, hockey team the female hockey team yeah. what has happened since Mm. Nothing. You yeah. know, the same thing. It's it's returned to relevance. Now, I'm not placing hockey on the same level as rugby in this country, but they had a moment. They had a chance. Rugby had its moment. It had its chance. Um, but ever since that Grand Slam, it's almost been like their, their fingertips have been hanging on to the edge of the ravine. 
Yeah, but they, they, they don't have a governing body that has the level of financial uh, stability that the uh, IRFU have, I'd argue. Well, and no, uh, that's see, on top of the IRFU. So they, since 13, they were hanging on. It was yeah. almost, they didn't know what to do. And that was the perfect one. They didn't know what to do. And they've let so many so many brilliant minds. I mean, Lynn Cantwell's from South Africa. I mean, they've let, let so many brilliant minds go or just spurned so many of them. Um, and there are some brilliant people involved, but they should be at the table. And... Um, and why that isn't? I mean, I, I met the new minister and president of the stock providers. He was at our banquet, um, and, and, and like there should be quiet words had in terms of the female representation, not just on the board, forty percent, because sometimes that can be lip service. It's where you want them working for the women's game. Mm. You know, you, I'd rather sacrifice forty percent of of women on a board just so it looks good on a picture. I'd rather sacrifice that. And say, okay, you can have eighty percent men, but if 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 forty percent or sixty percent of women are doing a brilliant job in a women's committee, and forty percent of men, by the way, you'd hope they they yeah are equally as passionate. Yeah, well. the right the right people in there who the actually right people, care about the game and progressing. Like that, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be that care and attention yeah. given to it at the moment. Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock and Sport on Sunshine One Hundred Six Point Eight from myself, Ken, and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>